Welcome aboard another edition of a show to be named later. It is July 10th, 2018. We are gearing up for World Cup semifinals. I've been watching a lot more of the World Cup than I expected to. Not going to lie. So we'll talk about that at some point later this week. Today, though, I want to get to the Yankees and why splitting a doubleheader yesterday just was not good enough. We'll talk about that and some trade rumors as well. We will also get to something I just found weird last night that happened with an NFL owner and and something I just thought was surprising, and, and we will get to that later on on a show to be named later. But as mentioned, I want to start off with the New York Yankees. I want to start off with this team that is playing at such a great pace that they could win 110 games, except that would lead them to play in a one-game wild card. And as I was sitting watching the games yesterday, the doubleheader that they played in Baltimore, I couldn't help but think that winning two out of three, that splitting doubleheaders, that winning three out of four is simply not enough anymore. It's become obvious, because of how the Red Sox have played, that the Yankees can't simply win two out of three. And not only because of how the Red Sox have played, but because of how the Yankees have played so far this season. Winning two out of every three is losing ground on where you're at right now, right? That is playing worse than you have over the first half of the year. So the Yankees have to win these games. They're 4-4 four and four against the Baltimore Orioles this year. The Orioles are the worst team in the league right now and maybe the worst team in baseball ever. Literally, ever. They've got to be better. It is that simple. You've got to be able to beat up on these bad teams. And this is where I start to worry, so to speak, I start to get concerned a little bit about the New York Yankees. And it's a weird concern, a weird worry to have. But they are so good against the good teams. They are so good against the teams that are 500 or better, against the teams that are going to be in the playoffs. They have dominated. They've played well against the Red Sox, well against Cleveland and Houston and Los Angeles and Seattle and and go on down the list. But they haven't played all that well against Toronto, against Baltimore, against teams like that. And from here until the rest of the end of the season, their schedule is one of the easiest schedules in all of baseball. So that means they're going to be playing a lot of Baltimores and Torontos and Tampas and go on down the list. Maybe not all, obviously, from the AL East, but how about the Chicago White Sox, the Detroit Tigers, and go on down the list of bad teams around baseball. That's mostly who the Yankees are going to play through the end of the season. How do you find your way of getting up for those games? How do you find your way of playing well against bad teams so that you can get enough wins to win the division and avoid the one-game playoff. Because you don't want to be in that one-game playoff. Right? That's the last place you really want to be. You want to find yourself 
safely in the ALDS. You want to find yourself with home field advantage throughout the playoffs, throughout the World Series, which is what would happen if you win the American League East in all likelihood. The last thing you want is to run into James Paxton in a one-game do-or-die, or Justin Verlander in a one-game do-or-die. Even if that game is at home, I don't want to play that team. And so for the Yankees to avoid that game, they've got to start winning these games. They've got to sweep that doubleheader yesterday. They've got to win all four against Baltimore this week. They've got to find a way to be better. Right? Like, they've got to find a way to do better against bad teams. And it's been weird to watch this season unfold. Obviously, they've done just fine. They're over 500. But the clip at which they play against good teams should be switched with the cl- the clip that they're playing at against the bad teams. Right? You should flip-flop those just a little bit. So when I look at the Yankees and what they've got to go do, it's really easy for me. Yeah, there are trades to be made. Yeah, they need another starting pitcher, probably. And we'll get into that in in a couple of minutes. But they've just got to play better against these caliber teams, right? Against this caliber, against the Baltimore Orioles, against the Toronto Blue Jays, against the Chicago White Sox, against these bad teams, the Texas Rangers. Play better against these teams, and you'll be in great shape. You can't afford to lose games because the Red Sox never do. The Red Sox have not gone on any kind of losing streak or poor stretch all season long. And you've got to find a way to match that. Yes, you're 30 games over 500. I understand that. But you want to avoid that wild card. And so, because they're in Baltimore, you hear trade rumors. Particularly surrounding Manny Machado. And I found these rumors really interesting yesterday. Because when you look at the Yankees, you look at that left side of the infield, and Didi Gregorius is the shortstop, and he's not going anywhere. And Miguel Andujar is playing third base, and he's hitting incredibly well. And I know, I know, the defensive metrics hate him. But he seems to have been doing an all right and a steady job. And then you hear yesterday that the Yankees are ramping up their efforts to go get Manny Machado. And this is all I take away from that. This is all I think about that rumor and that report from Ken Rosenthal yesterday. They don't really like the starting pitching market. The Yankees, in my mind, don't really like the starting pitching market. So instead, they go and find another bat. Find another way to beat you. Maybe they get Machado and Zach Britton. And they try and bash your brains in. And then get a lockdown bullpen that can come in from 5th inning on, 4th inning on. And destroy you. Maybe that's the plan. Right? Maybe the plan is let's get so many hitters that we can just destroy you offensively and kill you. Right? Kill your desire to play us. 
demoralize you, whatever it may be, whatever words you might want to use, right? Maybe that's the plan. Stack this lineup with Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, Gary Sanchez, oh, and Manny Machado. Stack all of these right-handed power hitters up one in front of the other, and, like, good luck navigating that. Right? Good luck navigating that Justin Verlander. Good luck navigating that David Price, Chris Sale, Cole, uh, Garrett Cole, whoever it might be. Good luck with that. James Paxton in a potential wild card game, one game, winner take all. Good luck with that. And to be quite honest, that plan doesn't sound terrible. That plan really doesn't sound awful. And you may be sitting there saying, the Yankees don't need Manny Machado, don't go out and get him. Well, they didn't need Giancarlo Stanton either. They didn't need to trade for another right-hand hitting power outfielder. But they did. Because the price got so low. Now, is there a price that would be low enough for the Yankees to make a deal on Manny Machado? And the one that I saw earlier today, the, the report that I saw earlier on Tuesday... was Justice Sheffield and Brandon Drury being the the centerpiece of that deal. That doesn't sound ridiculous to me. That doesn't sound like too much to me. And I know that you would be hesitant to give up a young left-handed arm, considering he's in your division. But you didn't give up anything for Brandon Drury. You gave up not much to get him. So trading him out is not that big a deal. To me, that didn't seem overbearing. To me, that seemed interesting. If that is the basis of a deal, the center of a deal for Manny Machado, that might not be too much. That might be worth it. And then you stack your lineup with something just absolutely terrifying. You stack your lineup with four of the best hitters in the major leagues, And you put them back to back to back to back. And you say, deal with it. Figure that out. How are you going to pitch to these guys? Because you got to pitch to somebody. And you move Manny Machado to third, even though what he said yesterday was, I'm a shortstop, I play shortstop, I'm a shortstop. I get it. Everybody's a shortstop until they are, and everybody plays a position until they go to a team where they can't play that position anymore. So maybe that's the move. Maybe the move is let's figure out a way that we can just destroy people and destroy their will to play. Where we can just send up one all-star MVP caliber player one after the other. Because the starting pitching market isn't that great, right? The starting pitching market isn't that enticing. Jay Happ? Meh. Cole Hamels? Eh. The Giants are playing their way into it. Bumgarner's not going to be available. What do you really want that's out there on the starting pitching trade market? There's not much there. Blake Snell's not going to be available. Chris Archer's been hurt. There just isn't much there. So you got to find another way. Get all the bats you can find. 
and build a dominant bullpen. Have a bullpen that can come in from inning four on and shut you down. And maybe that's enough. Take a break to tell you to listen to ESPN Radio all day long for your chance to win a free round of golf and a bucket of balls at Hickory Hill Golf Course. Check them out online at hickoryhillgolfcourse.com. So listen in to On the Block with Brent Axe and the Daniel Baldwin Show throughout the day, and you can get your chance to win. Now let's get back to a show to be named later. All right, back here on a show to be named later. You know, last night I'm, I'm watching the Yankees. I'm flipping the channels a little bit. And, of, of course, I've got Twitter open. And at 9 o'clock, the president announces his Supreme Court pick and right and whatever. And then shortly thereafter, I see some interesting tweets. And, and this is probably a conversation that a lot of people uh, might get uncomfortable with. But I found the reaction to this really interesting. And, and I was really surprised... By what happened. So we all know the NFL's problems, quote unquote, with uh, the players protesting during the national anthem and they they release a new policy earlier this spring and and it causes problems because it really doesn't do anything and it's kind of half-assed and it it doesn't really fix any of the problems that they were having because now the the focus will shift from players who were kneeling on the sideline to players who were sitting in the locker room and it just causes a whole new set of issues. And last night, I'm sitting on Twitter, and I'm, I'm watching as, as tweets come in, sports and otherwise. And one of them comes down, retweeted, of the Arizona Cardinals' official Twitter account. It says, quote, I've known him for more than 37 years. Cardinals president Michael Bidwell attended high school with Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. And an alarm went off in my head. An alarm went off in my head. Why are we going to be all right with that if it's not okay for the players to do what they want to do? Right? Why can the players not protest and and show that they have a cause they care about if the owner of an NFL team is doing the same thing? They're both using the company. They're both on work time. Why is one all right and the other isn't? And that was my first thought. And then you read more into it, and you remember, I've heard this guy's name before. I've heard this guy's name, Michael Bidwell, in connection to the Anthem stuff and the Anthem policies. And this quote comes up from last May. This is from the USA Today. Arizona Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell, who works with the Players Coalition on the Social Justice Committee, said Wednesday that the new policy enables the league to, quote, to put, quote, the focus back on the game, end quote. So why do we need to focus on the game then? but you're allowed to make your statement now. And I'm just very curious to see how players will actually react to this. Because I don't know, I haven't seen, I should say, any reaction just yet, but I would imagine that most of the players can't be happy. Right? I would imagine that most players would take issue with this. 
because it would make sense to take issue with this. It would make sense to point out the hypocrisy here of an owner saying, hey, players, you can't do that, but I'm going to go make this official statement through our team's website and Twitter account. And even if you don't agree with the players, even if you don't agree with what they're doing, you don't agree with the cause, whatever it may be, I think we can all realize at least the hypocrisy of an owner saying one thing and saying, hey, you can't do that, but then also saying and supporting a cause that he cares about using the same similar vehicle. Players need to use their platform, right? Or players want to use their platform in order to get the word out about a cause they care about. In order to get word out about the cause that they are passionate about. And that's been a problem for some people. Some people don't like it. And I'm just thinking that if you don't like that, You can't be all that happy with the owner doing the same thing. See, now this is where it gets interesting to me. Is there going to be a problem with Michael Bidwell? Is this going to cause an issue? Because I know that some people have started to point this out, but I haven't seen a player point it out and doing anything yet. I haven't seen too much made of it yet outside of a couple media people and NFL reporters who say, you know, this is kind of hypocritical, right? Like, he was kind of at the forefront of, like, hey, let's let's get these players not kneeling on the sidelines anymore, and now he's, you know, pushing out thoughts and, and support of his own. And it just goes to show the, the slippery slope and, and the situation that the NFL finds itself in because they don't talk to the players, because they don't take their advice, because they don't consult them on things like this. Because they don't necessarily listen to the players in these cases. You've now created this situation where if an owner wants to go out and support somebody, right? A political candidate, a a Supreme Court nominee who he went to high school with, who he's friends with. That's fine, and I get it. But like, also maybe don't use your team, the same vehicle that the players were trying to use, that you said, hey, let's not. To me, it just feels like there's so much hypocrisy. There's such a double standard. They're both, in a way, doing the same thing. They're supporting causes. They're supporting people that they feel passionately about. Right? Ultimately, that's what it is. Supporting causes and people they feel passionately about. But the owner has a problem with the players doing it and then turns around and does it. To me, it's just, it's interesting. It's surprising. Um, I'm, and, and again, again, I'm just curious to see what the reaction is as we get a little bit further down the line with this. Is there going to be more reaction to this from players? Because if I were the players union, if I were the players association, I'd, I'd be all over it. Right? I'd be all over the hypocrisy there. It's just one of those things that seems easy to point out 
if you're a player fighting for your right, a player who wants to continue to protest, who wants to continue to voice support for the causes that you want to support. This seems like an easy thing to point to and say, hey, we should be able to do that. Just kind of set alerts off in my head yesterday, last night. Made something, you know, stick up. One of those interesting things that I saw as I was scrolling through Twitter last night. And again, curious to see what the reaction is over the next couple of days because it seems like something ripe for uh, for players to point out to, to point to, to point out. It seems like something so obvious that they can point to. All right, that does it for us today on a show to be named later. Don't forget, you can check us out on ESPNSyracuse.com. You can check us out on the ESPN Syracuse iTunes feed as well, along with On the Block On Demand with Brent Axe, The Daniel Baldwin Show, and Orange Nation when Steve and I return on August 6th. That does it for us today. We'll talk to you again soon.